0: Jesus said to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, which a person finds and hides again, and out of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea which collects fish of every kind. When it is full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets. What is bad, they throw away. Thus it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there be wailing and grinding of teeth. Do you understand all these things? They answered yes. Yes. And he replied, then, every scribe who's been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's been a wonderful summer and a good time to think and to pray. I was standing on my brother's porch yesterday in Rohrersville, Maryland, and he said... The folks across the way, I got a new horse. The lady across the way was not really looking out for that horse. She's getting ready to leave. I wanted to buy the farm, you know, like go buy that field. But my wife wouldn't let me. She doesn't want 56 more acres. But she, he got the horse. And I think he's riding that horse along the CNO Canal today. He's got some understanding. I've got some understanding. You've got some understanding. Can you get into the mood of seeking a deeper understanding of using summertime to just reflect on God's way, God's right, God's goodness, God's love, the way we might be directed and redirected? What are the great gifts of belonging to a place like this? This is my first little story is being able to go from Islesboro in Maine to Stonington and get invited by Our Lady of Mercy parishioners for lunch at their house in Belfast and having quite a reunion with one couple that's resettled up there, the sister of a guy I went to high school with, I'm not going to name names, and another couple that's been summering there for a long time. And just to feel, regardless of where you are in this world, you're not far from Our Lady of Mercy, and Mercy's with you. The gift of belonging to a community where you're known, the gift of belonging to a community where people appreciate you and look out for you and ask about you, where you can wave at little infants And some old folks as well, and they wave back. I mean, think about that for a minute. Think about how few people really have that sense of belonging. Understanding. Do you know Stu Long? Anybody know Stuart Long? No congressional people here? I've known Stuart Long for 60 years. He was a year behind me at Gonzaga. His son in law works for the Archdiocese. Stu, as you, if you knew him, has been battling cancer for the last three or four years. Nine lives, I don't know, nine times three. Every time his son in law would text me and say, it looks really bad, get there, or meet them in the emergency room, there was Kemp, you know, have oil, we'll travel, kind of thing, ready to anoint. It got so that I was of the opinion. Actually, I told Stuart this. I said, if you want to keep living, tell your son-in-law to come have me anoint you. You'll at least get another two or three or four weeks. He kept resuscitating and coming back and walking around and doing wonderful things. It's an amazing thing. Just so you know, the sacrament of the anointing of the sick It's not just last rites, but there comes a time where the final healing is indicated. And that was this week. He died two nights ago. Here's the picture I want you to get. Sherry, his wonderful wife. His daughter, Jessica, Dr. Jessica, along with her husband, Dan his son, Jamie, with his wife, Jen. Get this picture of Stuart at home. Hospice was not there when I went in the night he died. Just the five of them around a bed, and Stuart sleeping. He would sleep his way away. There was some labored breathing. But the picture of love and of reconciliation, I broke the silence only to say, look at yourselves. The joy of living a life that was very full, a life with its ups and its downs and its ins and its outs, and then to watch this scene of just incredible love, Tears that were the beginning of grieving, but also tears of joy that this was in a new phase, a great transition. It's an amazing, wonderful gift. Did your mother ever tell you to pray for a happy death? I'm telling you, there's nothing like a really happy death. A lot of us don't want to look at that, but the good understanding leads you to understand that one of the great gifts, the great joys of life, is to be able to leave it, go from love to love. And it kind of just took my breath away. I sat in a chair for an hour just looking at those folks quietly holding Stewart as he was preparing to breathe his last. Understanding. Third piece, I'm on my way to Chautauqua. I couldn't afford to live in Chautauqua, but they invite Catholic priests up there from time to time to me every other year to stay at the Catholic house to say Mass during the week and go to the the different presentations. It's pretty amazing stuff. It's heady wine, very heady stuff, but also good stuff, good preaching, same mass outside a couple times next Sunday. Two years ago when I was there, uh, John Mudd and I went down to Bemis Point, which is outside the compound, because we were told to go visit a hotel and try another restaurant. And I went off to Bemis Point, and I saw this boat tied up, and on the boat was a Confederate flag flying. And it, to be quite honest, it took my breath away. I mean, Bemis Point is in southwest New York between Buffalo and Erie, on your way to Cleveland, up in there. And I was like, whoa. And I, I'm not entirely sure how I felt, but it was a turmoil inside. I was not expecting to see a Confederate flag up there, and I was a little disgusted. And I've been dealing over the last year and a half with Georgetown and its sale of 272 slaves in 1838, dealing with a lot of folks saying, how could the Jesuits have? so forth and so on? You know that whole routine. We've been through it a little bit. And reflecting on that and my own history. and In preparing this talk, I'm going to reflect on the joys of being associated with a community like this and a community like St. Augustine's and having people of color kind of take me by the hand and walk me through understanding and reconciliation and some repentance and trying to promote a dialogue that I didn't get into until at least I was 20, 21. And that, then I got into kind of whole hog. What I think I knew, and I've, I knew that the Jesuits held slaves. What I think I knew about my own history, I conveniently forgot until I started digging. This is all seeking understanding. I knew that my great-grandfather got extra money when he came from Luray to join the Army of Virginia in that war against northern aggression. You know that war? Sometimes I think we're still fighting it. He fought maybe at second bull run. Paul says he fought at Antietam he was listed as a deserter he said because he went home probably to take care of a sick mother himself nonetheless he served he did march down Pennsylvania Avenue as part of the kind of the army of the republic in the late 1800s what i had carefully forgotten was that his father owned four slaves And we know them by name. And suddenly I said to myself, wait a minute. Raymond, you've been talking about them and not us. You've been looking at this as something that you're looking at kind of from the outside in. Maybe it's time you looked at it from the inside. And it's very humbling to recognize from whence you come and to understand that and to accept that and to speak about that and especially to speak about that with people that you have come to know over a period of 50 years. The first thing people want to tell you, especially people of color, is, well, fine, you've given your life to do X, Y, Z and take care of that. Yeah, I get that, but, and that may well be the reason unconsciously or subconsciously why I'm so driven, but I am utterly convinced that we still have a lot of work to do. Not just in understanding race relations in this country, but very definitely in terms of reconciling and meeting and getting to know folks and creating a level playing field. But if you look at the whole of the world, and you look at the divisions in the world, and you begin to understand the gospel that we walk in, and seeking the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, that pearl of great price is something that has to do with the people on the other side of the mountain are just as good as you on this side of the mountain. There is no more, as Paul says, male or female, Slave or free, we are all children of the living God. For that understanding, thank you, Jesus.